When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah, I couldn't get a hold of him. I, I fucking emailed him twice and nothing, man. I don't know. He's a ghost ever since Feinbaum uh, crushed his team. I guess he's crying in a corner somewhere. Yeah, eating soft pretzels. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Soft pretzels is my cue. Uh, we got to start. Um, right. let's, just, let's just do it. Oh, my goodness. What are we going to do? Um, all right. So uh, welcome back, everybody, to our seventh and final season preview conference season preview it's been Thank a long God. road guys i know man it seems like we've been doing this forever doesn't it at least at least seven months it feels like you can yeah. close you can close the book on previews Thank yep. God. Se- seventh and final show and we're going to be looking at eight teams tonight uh jason what's going on oh not much man i, I think uh i think we're good to go i think i've uh I argued with the marriott enough and got them to fix my fucking internet so Hopefully we don't have any uh, mid-show blunders like we've had in the past. But uh, otherwise, I'm good, man. I'm excited to get the preview season over with. And uh, fucking hey, man, there is college football on this week. I don't give a shit if it's Dartmouth versus somebody. I- I'll watch it. Yeah, no, it'll be on. I, I think by the time our listeners are actually hearing this, they will be 72 hours, I believe, from watching college football. Oh, NCAA yeah. Division One FBS college football. So. Uh, got that going for us, which is nice. Timmy, what's happening? Nothing, man. Uh, I'm just as jacked up as you guys to be done with the off-season bullshit and to actually be, you know, at the end of the episode, putting some skin on some action here with some actual live games going down. So it is a, a great time of the year, and uh, I'm ready to get into it and uh, get to watching some football finally, man. Yeah, we finally get to have some some weekly skin in the game as far as picks. Um, for our listeners, we kind of decided, um, just so you know, we've been keeping track of all of these over under uh, win total picks, and this is something we'll revisit either during the season, kind of our halftime hits and misses show, or more likely a year in review. And we will uh, we'll applaud some people and probably make fun of each other as well, depending on how it shakes out. But let's go ahead and get started. We're gonna do. Uh, something slightly different from all these other previews. First, the first team we're going to look at is Tennessee. Uh, Jason's going to fill us in on them, but we did have a listener. Was it like a, a question-based email, Jason, or a, a statement? Uh, it was a question. Now, okay. now Timmy is going to be the one filling you in on Tennessee, not me. At least that's what you got in the 
the nope. notes. Yeah, there. I'll be I'll be filling y'all in on, on the <laughs> yeah, volunteers. I was about to say, I was like, yeah. I don't, I'm not going to be filling you in. That's Tim. But uh, yeah, the the question we got uh, now, Tim, you can tie this in however you like. But uh, Marcus from Clarksville, and that's in Tennessee. It's like right outside of Nashville. Said, uh, hey guys, do you expect Hendon Hooker to maintain his elite level of play this season? And if he does. Could he end up in New York? Love the show. Go Big Orange. All right. Hey, that's a that's a really legit question. I'll start off the you know the Tennessee talk with with you know answering a little bit of that question. Uh, you know, Hendon Hooker is a guy who more or less you know lit it up for Tennessee last year. So he was a transfer coming in from my Virginia Tech Hokies, where he didn't have the greatest you know career in his time there you know he split some time with some other guys he he played you know inconsistently but what he did show while he was there is that he did have some mobility and that he could throw the deep ball and then when he got to Tennessee and actually got some legitimate coaching he came completely out of his shell and just burst onto the scene and he, he like I said he lit it up big for them last year and there's you know no reason to say that he's not on the outside fringes of the Heisman list right now going into week 1 is is he going to be a guaranteed in New York probably not but like you said if he has a better season than he had last year there's no reason to think that he couldn't be in the talk and maybe could wind up there at the end of the end of the year if Tennessee uh, has a good season, you know, alongside with him. But going in and looking at the team as a whole, from last year they uh, they were seven and six uh, overall and four and four in the conference, and they're going to bring back fourteen of those players from last year, eight on offense and six on defense. You know, and on the offensive side of the ball, they were a team who averaged thirty nine points per game, which is nothing to scoff at, especially in the SEC uh, East. You know against going against teams like Georgia and the like. Um, so that's pretty impressive. And, you know, we already talked about Hendon Hooker's performance from last year, but a guy that we didn't talk about was the guy that he was mostly throwing the ball to and Cedric Tillman. And both of those guys are obviously back. So that's a huge, huge plus for them. Another interesting stat for Hendon Hooker that I didn't mention earlier was uh, his single season passer rating actually is from last year is the highest by any Tennessee quarterback in the history of the school. So if you would have asked me that question uh, last week, I would have probably told you the answer to that is Peyton Manning, but no, it's Hendon Hooker. You know, Hupel and his staff did wonders for that kid, and I like him to continue improving and be even better from last year. But looking at the rest of the offense, you know, Tillman and Hooker are obviously the two bright spots, but the wide receiver room has a lot of unproven talent in there with it alongside Tillman. But I think with Hupel's up-tempo offense, I think those guys uh, have have what it takes to, you know, put up some bigger numbers, uh, especially with Hooker throwing the ball and spreading it around a little bit more uh, this year than last year. Same thing with the running game. It's going to be more of like a a shared workload between a couple of younger guys, I think. They do have uh, a guy from last year that got some reps, but he was, you know, mostly a a spell guy and coming in, you know, off the bench every once in a while. But I like them to get into running the ball a little bit more too, to keep it a little bit more balanced. Uh, what's going to make it, you know, make or break for them, I think is going to be their offensive line. Looking at them from last year, they gave up the most sacks in the SEC with 44. And most of those guys 
actually got hurt last year and they weren't afforded the opportunity to play as a whole unit. So four of those five guys are coming back. And as long as they can stay healthy, I don't think they're going to be as inconsistent as they were last year. And I like them to be actually a very solid group this year. But like I said, that's barring injuries like it was last year. Uh, Looking at them on defense, you know, you're going to get a group who's not quite as polished as the offense is, but they're definitely on the rise and continuing to improve. You know, they got two bona fide edge rushers in Byron Young and Tyler Barron paired up with a really solid uh, safety group. You know, the two positions on defense that they need to shore up from last year are really like the boundary corner position and the linebackers. You know, the linebacker room specifically has added some depth from last year. So I kind of like them to be a little bit more consistent, but the cornerback group is going to take some time to figure out. And I really don't like how that looks, you know, right here as it sits going into the first week of the season. But the bottom line for me on Tennessee is is I think Hupel did a really good job last year uh, with not a lot to work with. And he and his staff really changed the culture down there in Knoxville from what was there previously. And I'm putting my eggs in Tennessee's basket this year. I think Hooker to Tillman is going to be another winning formula. And over seven and a half is the play for Tennessee, man. I think they have seven very winnable games. uh, And then they go – you know, to get them to the over, I'm betting they steal one against either Florida, Kentucky, or Pitt. So give me the over, man. Fair enough. Uh, man, Tillman's a really good player. Uh, I, I like that guy a lot. Kind of to your point about Hendon Hooker, Timmy, he was tied for second in the country in passer rating with C.J. Stroud. So yes, he was. I don't, I don't know that a ton of people realize exactly how good he was this year. Uh, Jason, what's your take on Tennessee? Well, you should know that. Oh boy, Tennessee. Well, I will start by saying, man, if these guys aren't the preseason darlings of everyone, you hear all the pundits, ESPN, CBS. I mean, even Saturday Down South, for God's sake, they all love Tennessee. And coming into this podcast, I, I sort of didn't, and I, I thought, okay, maybe I'm crazy. So. Uh, You know, I dove into it a little bit and I agree with all the points that Timmy made. I think he, you know, covered all the main key points for them. I think this team does have a chance to be the second best team in the East, but for me, they're going to have to just take another step on defense. Like, I mean, like looking at their defense last year, 29 points a game. That's just, that's not going to cut it, man. I, I don't care. Like, you know, look at last year. They beat one team last season that had a winning record, and that was Kentucky. Beat them by a field goal on the road. Every other team that they beat last year stunk. I mean, Vanderbilt, Bowling Green, Tennessee Tech, Missouri, South Carolina, South Alabama. I mean, it's just they didn't beat anyone that was any good. So, Hey, man, beat the teams on your schedule. That's all you got to do. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I hear you, but for me – I seven and a half. I think they should go over that based on an elite offense. You know, I guess you could call it elite based on what they did a year ago and a lot of those guys coming back. So they should go over, but man, it's Tennessee. I'm just, I'm not willing to bet on that. I'm just not like you pencil them in for two losses right out of the gate between Georgia and Alabama. And then they got to take road trips to LSU, to Pittsburgh, to South Carolina, plus Kentucky and Florida at home. I just, I mean, Florida's beaten them 16 out of the last 17 seasons. In the last five seasons, they've beat them by three scores each. 
So am I just going to pencil Tennessee for a win there? No. Until proven otherwise, I'm going to take the under, but it it wouldn't shock me to see them go eight and four. I, but I do think that is their ceiling is eight and four. Little uh, little crimson tinted objective take there. Is that what we got here? Man, Tennessee's about as relevant to to Alabama fans as Utah State these days. I mean, we that I don't even. I was what like 20 years old the last time they beat us. Come on, man. There it is. All right. Well, I'm with Timmy on this one. I'm swinging towards the over. I now I think nine is their like ceiling. That's their best case. But I think they get to eight, which would still be a really good year for them, considering kind of how the the current coaching staff came in. They came in way late, right? They weren't part of the normal hiring cycle because it was the fallout from the Pruitt stuff, and um, so a good first year for them. And I I think eight and four would be another step in the right direction, but I do agree that's going to be kind of maybe where they max out until they improve defensively. So moving on, Timmy, your next team is Kentucky. They come into the, uh, into the season with a eight-win Vegas total, which I told you guys I hate round numbers because nine times out of ten, the round number is exactly what I would pick, so I don't really want to go over or under that, but uh, eight wins, what do you got? Precisely, man. I hate the whole numbers. Stupid. But Stoops and the Wildcats, man, ten and three overall last year, factoring in their bowl win, uh, five and three in conference. Very, very good year for them last year. Unfortunately for them, they did lose some, so they're they're bringing back ten uh, from last year's squad, and it's five on each side of the ball. You know, if we're going to talk about Kentucky and starting off with their offense, we can't start off with talking about anybody other than Will Levis. You know, he's back. Uh, and for Kentucky standards, that kid had a hell of a season, season last year. 2,800 yards, 24 touchdowns. And, and I didn't realize it, but they haven't had a quarterback throw for more than 20 touchdowns since 2010. So that's a really good thing for them, uh, having that kid back. Um, and, you know, his talent is something that they've sorely missed around there for a long time. And he's going to have the comfort again this year of when he doesn't throw the ball, turning around and handing the ball off to the workhorse running back, Chris Rodriguez, who's another guy who put up big numbers from last year. You know, he ran for 1,400 yards and nine touchdowns. So, again, by Kentucky standards, that's a huge improvement from what they've had around there for a long time. Uh, Unfortunately, you know, that's where the familiarity and the success on offense kind of ends looking at what they have coming back this year. You know, their top two wide receiver targets from last year are gone, and they've also suffered, you know, some pretty big losses on the offensive line. You know, the transfer portal has been utilized pretty extensively to fill both of those groups. Tavion Robinson from, again, my Virginia Tech Hokies coming in and Javon Baker from Alabama coming in to fill out the wide receiver room. And look out for those guys, honestly, man. You know, I'm very familiar with Tavion Robinson and what his talent level and what he can do. And just a kid coming in from Alabama, I think those guys are going to fit in real nicely around there. And with, you know, the the things that they can do and, and the offense and the success they had last year, I think that's going to be a really good fit. Offensive line, that's where it, it's going to be a little bit sketchy for me. You know, you got kids coming in from the transfer portal with, with a unit that lost a lot of guys. I don't like the unfamiliarity uh, in the talent level there. So I think that that could, you know, initially be part of some, some early stumbles, but we'll see with that group. 
Uh, the same type of story can be told on the defensive side of the ball. You know, they lost a lot of talent to graduation in NFL, but there's still enough there where they could be dangerous. You know, they've got huge size on the defensive line, uh, coupled with a pair of uh, playmaking cornerbacks on the outside. So I, I really like the potential that they have to, to stop the run like they did last year so well and to take the ball away and to cover top receiving targets from the other team. So, again, a lot of lost talent, but still enough there for me not to consider it a total loss. The bottom line for me on Kentucky Yes, they lost a lot on both sides of the ball, but they have enough talent left over combined with smart use of the transfer portal and an improved recruiting class from last year where overall I think they can get to over eight wins. So they have four tough games at Florida, at Ole Miss, at Tennessee, and Georgia at home. I think that they can win one of those four games and the rest of their schedule, they should be favored in every one of those games. So I'm going to ride Stoops, and I'm going to take the over. All right. I also am on the over. Um, I'm not, I don't feel great about that game in the swamp because it sounds like Chris Rodriguez probably will not play in that. He, it, From what I've read, and I don't know if you guys have heard anything other than that about it, but uh, from what I've read, he's looking at potential two or three game suspension to start the season. So missing him at Florida week two would be kind of a dagger, but I think they're a better team than, you know, for example, Old Miss. Um, I, I think they can get to nine. I would, again, I would push eight. I wouldn't even touch it if I had to pick one or the other. I think they can get to nine wins again. Jason, what do you think? I was hoping we wouldn't all be in unison here, but uh, I, okay, uh, I'll put it this way. It's not something I would bet. Like I would lean push at eight, but if I'm forced to pick over or under, I would take the over. I like the defense. I think they have quite a bit of depth. You know, I think they're going to be better in the secondary than they were a year ago, even with some of the lost talent that Timmy talked about. I think the defensive line, I like them to improve a little bit, even more from the solid defensive numbers they put up last year. I mean, 21 points a game last year, 127 yards on the ground. I mean, all, all I'm hearing about is all this NFL hype for Will Levis. So, okay, I haven't really seen that on tape yet. He's been good. He threw 13 picks last year, but if he can clean up the turnovers and not throw it to the other team so much, then I think this team does get to the over. Uh, at Florida is tough, but they've you know they've done really well against Florida. At Ole Miss is a tough game for sure, but I think you know we already talked about Ole Miss. I think they take a bit of a step back this year, especially on defense. And then at Tennessee, at Mizzou, sure Georgia, they're going to lose, but ultimately, man. If I'm forced, I'm, I'm going to take the over. I think Stoops gets to nine wins. Ooh, a unanimous. That that doesn't happen all that often here. Uh, let's see if we're unanimous or unanimous, not anonymous. Um, one more time, I suspect we might be. But Timmy, your boy, Shane Beamer, entering year two in South Carolina. He's got a new quarterback. Uh, hopefully, they'll get better quarterback play than he got last year. Uh, we'll talk about that. When when they got to a bowl game and beat North Carolina in the Mayo Bowl, uh, how are we looking for repeat performance? South CAC, man. Bamer Ball. Uh, seven and six last year, including that Duke's Mayo Bowl win. They're going to bring back 15 of those kids from last year's team, uh, eight on offense and seven on defense. Uh, the, the biggest, most obvious thing to mention is Spencer Rattler, man. Uh, huge get in the transfer portal for them. 
and I think that he'll be able to bounce back from you know a so-so season last year and really light it up down there. Uh, I mentioned you know on a previous episode, uh, but he and Shane Beamer do have a relationship from Beamer's time at Oklahoma. So I really like this fit for for both him and the team. Uh, the biggest question for me is going to be the offensive line, though. They're bringing back all five guys, but last year they, they were offensive. <laughs> you know, I, I don't think that they're going to come in and suddenly set the world on fire. But Spencer Rattler's mobility back there will, you know, bail them out more than what they had last year. So, you know, there's going to be some give and some take, and maybe they'll progress a little bit, but they're definitely going to be something that holds them back uh, from what they could achieve. Uh, they got some guys uh, to get the ball to, though. You know, they got Josh Van, who's a pretty good receiver for them, and, and a tight end, Jaheim Bell. But again, the key is going to be keeping Spencer Rattler upright to do that. So the offensive line is going to be play a big part in that. Looking at the defense, w- would you believe me if I told you that the Gamecocks had the most interceptions in the conference last year? You kidding me? The, the problem with that was that nobody had to throw the ball to beat them. Everybody just realized that they could run the ball right down their throat, and they did. This is way easier. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they definitely need to shore up that run defense. Uh, And it doesn't help that they've lost a couple of guys from the D line last year. You know, like we've said before with the guys that are coming back, do do you really want them? I don't know, but you got them. The the remainder of the linemen and the linebackers that are returning, they're just really going to have to show me something this year to make me believe that, you know, they're going to be able to turn that around. But again, we'll see another year in the system with the coaches could, could bear some benefit for them. Uh, the cornerback play and the safety play was very, very good last year. Like I mentioned, they took the ball away quite frequently, and all those guys are coming back. So, again, if they can improve on the run defense, I think their defense overall will go a long way. But the final thoughts on South Carolina, they started four different quarterbacks last year, including a graduate assistant. And finally having a bona fide signal caller back there is worth its weight in gold. I think that that warrants at least a one-win improvement from last year's regular season record. So I'm going to take the over, and I think that they can win seven games. Over six. Boy, Timmy, you like everybody so far. That's three overs for you. Everybody's going 12-0. and Everyone, (laughs) all of them. Uh, (laughs) Jason, what do you think? Oh, man. As much as I like Shane Beamer, I I can't (sighs) – the schedule is just too brutal for me, man. I mean, they're just isn't it? Road tri- the schedule looks to me like it was made by someone who hates South Carolina. Correct. Yeah, they didn't do him any favors. That's for sure. No. So this is one of those situations, like we've kind of talked about uh, with some other teams, where I could see them improving, but not necessarily in the win loss column because the schedule is just brutal, man. I mean, a road trip to Arkansas in week two, and then Georgia at home. That's a loss. So two and one and two to start, you know, possibly. And then a couple of layups before they go on the road to Kentucky, then a bye week, and then Texas A&M at home. I mean, not to say that that place won't be rocking and Spencer Rattler won't be fired up, but, I mean, Texas A&M will be pretty heavily favored in that game, I would expect. And then the last three games of the season is what just did me in, man, at Florida, Tennessee at home, at Clemson. I just don't see it. I I can't bet on even – I would say push 
at best, but I'm going to lean to the under and say that they do get to a bowl, but they go six and six. Yeah, this is not, I'm, I'm with you. I, I would push this if I have to, just based on schedule though, if I had to go one or the other, I would go under because, you know, like you said, Georgia lost, AM lost at Clemson. That's a loss. So now you're talking, are they going to win seven out of the other nine at Arkansas, at Kentucky, at Florida? Don't love those. So, no, <laughs> no. you know, I, I, I expect they go six and six again. I think they will be kind of like you guys said, I, I think they'll be a better team. It just might not reflect in the win loss column because of this schedule. I, you know, it's entirely possible. You can be a really good team and go six and six against a schedule. We got two unders and an over. So we're still stuck on one unanimous. So shifting gears to Jason, we're going to move on to a little further south, a guy that we've talked about a handful of times and, you know, this off season, Billy Napier uh, going into his debut year in Gainesville, Florida. And the Gators come into this season with a Vegas win total of seven games. What do you think? Is he mm. going to need Brian Kelly to help him turn his headset on? <laughs> Maybe so. I don't know. All right. So, yeah, we've talked all offseason about Billy Napier and all the good things he did off the field. Well, now he's got to go prove it on the field. So last year, something about this team that I didn't realize, they gave the ball away so much. They were minus nine in turnover margin. They threw like 19 interceptions. I mean, it was bad. We suck. That's the number one thing they got to clear up right out of the gate. Like, just stop giving the ball away. But looking at this team this year, starting on the offense, I mean, we know Anthony Richardson is taking over at quarterback, and he was kind of banged up last year, and he wasn't great. You know, he completed like 50%, 56% of his passes, six touchdowns to five picks. So he wasn't great, but he was banged up a lot. Couldn't stay healthy. If the offensive line could improve a little bit and they do bring back three starters on the offensive line and also they brought in a transfer from uh, Louisiana, Napier brought him with him, then I could see Richardson staying healthier and those numbers improving in the passing game a little bit. But bottom line, I don't see them as like, I don't see Richardson as a guy who's going to beat you with his arm. I see this as a run first team. You know, they brought in, uh, Napier brought in a transfer from Louisiana with them, uh, most notably. Well, he brought several, but most notably would be Montrell Johnson at running back. He was the fun belt freshman of the year in 2021. I'm sure Eric spent a lot of time watching him. He was. He's a good player. Yeah. So he's uh, going to be one of the guys that gets in the mix for them, along with Naquan Wright. I think they will be, you know, a force running the ball because, I mean, looking at the offensive line, they only gave up 14 sacks a year ago, and most of those guys are back. So I think offensively, as long as uh, Richardson can stay healthy, they'll be pretty good, and they'll be tough to deal with. Defensively, I never really worry about Florida all that much because they recruit that side of the ball so well. Even though they gave up 26 points a game last year, I think they were just on the field way too much because of those offensive blunders that I talked about, the minus nine in turnover margin. So their front seven is talented, and it's but it's not real deep. But I really like their secondary. I think the secondary will be a big-time strength for them. I think they'll be a tough team to throw on. So I expect those numbers to improve across the board, assuming that they can clean up the damn turnovers and penalties and shit like that. <sighs> Schedule-wise, I think seven's a really good number for them. I mean, the opening part of the schedule is brutal. Utah, Kentucky, and Tennessee all in the first four weeks. And then they got a road trip to A&M later in the year. So bottom line with this team, I'm going to 
take a push here, but if we're, you know, for the purpose of this podcast, if you're going to force me, I'm going to lean to the over. And I just think, like I say, Florida is still very talented. And a lot of these toss up games they've got are at home, Kentucky, LSU, South Carolina. If they could win two out of those three, I think there's a good chance they could go over and win eight games. And also, it's a bit of a trend. It's not something I would point to and say it's going to happen again. But if you look at Florida, when they get a new coach, Muschamp won 11 games in year two. And then McIlwain took over 10 games in year one. Dan Mullen takes over 10 games in year one. So typically these teams are just talented and the coaches keep getting shit canned because they don't produce with the talent that they have. So if Napier comes in and does all the right stuff, it's not inconceivable to think that they go over you know, a meager seven wins. Hmm. Interesting. Timmy, what do you, oh, what's your outlook on the Gators? Well, I would agree with you, Jason, except for the simple fact that I think Dan Mullen pretty much drove that team off of a fucking cliff the last couple <laughs> of years that he's been there. Billy Napier's got his hands full. But I wouldn't touch this with a 10-foot pole, to be quite honest with you. It's, it's a push all day long. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, for, like you said, for the purpose of the podcast, I'm going to take the under – because uh, I think it's more likely that they win six than they win eight. You know, oh. th- they have a tough schedule, man, uh, and and I can get them to six pretty easily. But when you start trying to count wins number seven and eight, it starts getting really dicey for me. So yeah. I'm gonna you know lean under, and and, and that's gonna be my play. Well, and I should before Eric, before you give your take, I should point this out. If Anthony Richardson doesn't stay healthy. This team is screwed and they may not make a bowl game because they have have fucking zero depth behind Anthony Richardson. You talked about the turnover differential. Yeah, they turned it over too much. Another, you know, the other aspect of that being minus nine is they didn't take the ball away. Their defense was trash the last two seasons. You know, I watched them give up, I want to say 42 points in the first half against an FCS team. You know, and not even a game. That's a game that got Mullins job. Yeah, and not even like North Dakota State. Uh, you know, Samford was a 500-ish FCS team at home, and they just got run off the field. And, and yeah, but can we can we all agree that that team just quit on Mullen? Uh, I mean, maybe, but you know, and I am a Billy Napier believer, right? and I've been from the get go when they hired him. I've been on here saying that he is the guy that they needed to go get, and he's going to turn it around. Yeah, and I absolutely believe that. I just, until I see improvement on defense, I'm not going to pick them to win eight games. So that's where I'm at on them. Mm. Moving on to a team that probably will also not win eight games, Missouri. No chance. They're they're, they're up next. Uh, Drinkwitz and his boys. What what do you think about them? Get out the hammer. Uh, Let's see. Five and a half. Mizzou coming in. And they've been exactly fucking 500 the last three seasons, six and six, five and five and six and six. And then they lost their bowl game to army of all people last season. Looking at Mizzou, man, I, God, after another mediocre season, once again, there's, they've got a ton of question marks offensively. Their, their quarterback is unproven. You know, they lost Connor Basilak to the transfer portal, but he didn't even start the bowl game. Like he, he was so bad down the stretch that they, they started Brady cook in the bowl game. And in limited action, this dude was really accurate. Like I'm talking like 79% completion for 350 and two TDs. You know, that's on 59 attempts. So some mop-up duty and then a look in the bowl game there. I think he went like 27 of 34 in the bowl game. So 
accurate passer. So we'll see. The good thing about that is even though he doesn't have much experience, they brought in a ton of talent at the wide receiver position. They brought in the number one wide receiver in the country in their recruiting class, and they also brought in a couple of four stars that they expect to contribute right away as well. So I would expect them to sling it all over the field. And, I mean, honestly, why not? What does Drinkwitz have to lose besides his uh, job? Defensively, they've got some serious problems up front, man. While they do have eight starters back, I mean, these guys stunk last year. Let's just be realistic. They gave up 33 points a game, 227 yards on the ground last year on average. I mean, they stunk. We suck. I mean, Tennessee rushed for 458 yards against them last year, to put that in perspective. Like, they just got run all over. The front seven is a liability, and the secondary, to be honest, isn't all that much better. Now, schedule-wise, here's the big issue. They got road games against K-State, Auburn, Florida, South Carolina, and Tennessee. I, I mean, that's five L's right there. Coupled with losses to Georgia and Arkansas, bottom line, man, I can't bet on them getting to a bowl game. It wouldn't shock me but they're going to have to beat somebody that they're not supposed to in order to get there under. Yeah, I think they're going to have to beat two teams that they're not supposed to to get to six. I mean, they're, you know, I go through, I, you know, I have my yellow highlighter and my pink highlighter that, you know, wins and losses. And it's, there's a lot of pink on theirs. There's a lot of games. I expect them to not have a realistic shot at winning. So I'm on the under as well. I think their ceiling is probably five and seven, more likely four and eight. Timmy, what do you got? I don't need a highlighter. I need a hammer. They suck. We suck. <laughs> they, you already said it. They lost to Army in their bowl game last year. Are you kidding me? And they were, by the way, they were a six-point underdog to Army in that game. Yeah. Like, like, here's the thing with Missouri, man. They've been mediocre for a really long time. They're going to continue to be mediocre. But the problem for them is that everybody around them is getting better. I think that they'll win their non-conference games and maybe beat Vandy, but everybody else is going to blow their doors off. So definitely under on this one. They suck. All right. Well, that is our second uh, unanimous selection for the SEC East. Uh, that's well, We're going to make it three here in just a minute. Uh, yeah, probably. Three with an outside <laughs> shot of four. I don't know. Uh, Are we? <laughs> well, I don't know. We'll have to find uh, out, and we will find out. Uh, right after this word from our friends at DraftKings, uh, we're going to take a quick break, and then we will be back with the final three teams that we will be previewing tonight. Hey, guys, join in on the next generation of fantasy football with Rainmakers Football, the first-ever NFT fantasy game from DraftKings. It's the only NFT fantasy game licensed by the NFLPA. Now you can play all season for millions in prizes by building the ultimate NFT franchise. Right now, everyone can get their first full roster starter pack for free. Build your NFT franchise and enter free Rainmakers Football contests all season long to compete for millions in prizes. The next generation of fantasy sports is here. Download the DraftKings Daily Fantasy app now. Sign up with the promo code TPPN. Click the Rainmakers tile and opt in to get your first card free. Plus, play for millions in prizes all football season while building the ultimate NFT fantasy franchise with Rainmakers football. That's promo code TPPN. Build, play, win. Only at DraftKings. Contest entries depending on type and number of NFTs held. Eligibility restrictions apply. Void where prohibited. See DraftKings.com for details. 
They do. They suck. They're a trash can. <laughs> uh, oh, boy, I love it. No apologies right. to any Missouri fans out there. Fuck you. That's good stuff right there. Love it. All right. Welcome back to the South End Zone here on the Pigskin Podcast Network. Well, boys, we've covered a few teams. Uh, Eric, let's recap. Uh, talk to me about what we've got so far. Well, uh, so far, we are unanimous in taking Kentucky over eight wins and Missouri under five and a half. Timmy and I both like Tennessee to get to eight wins. You, you took the under, Jason, on seven and a half. Jason and I also took the under on South Carolina at six wins. Timmy took the over because he's a homer. And we were also split on <laughs> <Suck> Florida. <my> <laughs> ass. We, we were also, speaking of sucking ass, we were also split on Florida. <laughs> All three, we would prefer to push, but in the interest of of kind of a competitive spirit, uh, we picked over and under. Timmy and I were under, and Jason has a little bit more faith in the talent level coming back. He's going to take over seven wins for the Gators. Oh, geez. (sighs) Well, all right. Well, let's talk about a team that, oh, good God. I can't believe this team's even in the SEC. I'm with Timmy. The commissioner sent them to the Biff League. They suck. All right, uh, Vanderbilt. We're not going to spend much time on this one because, well, we already established they suck. They're coming in with a two and a half total, Eric. Over or under two and a half. Just say over or under and we'll move on. No, no, no. Hold on. Let's talk about Vanderbilt. Uh, (laughs) Last year, they were two and 10, Clark Lee's first season. They were 128th in scoring. They Defensively, they were almost as bad. They were 130th in the country in sacks. There are 130 teams in FBS football. So they had nine sacks last year. So that's kind of the bad news is they were terrible. I, I guess the good news is they return 100% of their rushing yard production. They got they got three guys that are going to carry the ball. They also return 98% of their passing yards. Uh, Mike Wright is going to be the starter, and Ken Seals will be the backup. They they both played the last couple of seasons. Uh, will Shepard's their best receiver coming back and they have only two guys up front on the offensive line coming back so that may be an issue uh defensively they're actually kind of experienced they're returning 71 percent of their tackles and 83 percent of their tackles for loss unfortunately they're bringing those guys back from a pretty bad defense but pretty bad yeah pretty bad uh 30, and, 35 points a game they stink they do uh but they, they have a couple of Decent players that I think deserve a mention. Uh, Anthony Archie is a linebacker. He had 93 tackles and 13 tackles for loss. But I, they just they got to get better. They punted 73 times last year, and they returned eight punts. Now, it's not that they – I mean, they forced more than eight, but that's, that's all that they returned is eight punt returns versus 73 punts. That kind of tells you all you need to know about their season. So having said all that, I am going to take over two and a half for Vanderbilt. What? Well, I, I think they're going to start 2-0. Uh, I mean, they're favored at Hawaii this weekend. Uh, they got Elon, an FCS school in the Carolinas, week two. I mean, they got a game against Northern Illinois. I don't know how good they'll be. Uh, Missouri, that Missouri's bad. And I know it's a road game, but it's not completely out of the realm of possibility that, that Vanderbilt can go steal one there. And I'm going to tell you guys, you know who Vanderbilt has in week three? Wake Forest. Wake Forest. Do we know who's going to be the quarterback for Wake Forest? No, we do not. We don't. So it doesn't matter. They're I, still going to destroy. Vanderbilt. Oh, it matters. It, I, I think it does. In Wake's case, I think it does. I, I, I said it when we did the ACC. Like once Sam Hartman leaves, 
Like, give me the under on Wake because I don't know that there's more than a couple of guys in the country who can run that offense like he does. And, you know, if he's not back and able to play that game, I mean, how much do you think that line moves? It probably depends on how Wake looks the first couple of weeks, but I'm just saying, I, I think they sneak one somewhere. So I, God, I took the over on Duke and now I'm taking the over on Vanderbilt. I was close on Kansas. I don't know. I guess my heart is just bleeding, but uh, yeah, over two and a half. Timmy, you want a hammer? No, I do not. Great minds think alike. Holy shit. I think with any second year head coach who's bringing back a decent number of returning players, you have to anticipate them getting a little bit better. You know, unfortunately for Vanderbilt, they do play in the SEC, and basically every conference opponent that they play is going to boat race them. So the analysis on Vandy's over and under is this. Can they run the table against Hawaii, Elon Phoenix, and NIU? And I'm going to say, yes, they can. And they will win those three games and go over. So I'm riding the over on Vandy. They still suck, but three wins is doable for them. My God, are we going to be unanimous? I, I feel no, like he's no. going to crush them. He's going, he's going to make an Arizona pick. He's going to call I'm, over 12. Wait for it. I'm just going to write a U right now in his column. <laughs> Oh, I cannot believe this is coming out of my mouth. Give me the over on Vanderbilt. Oh, we talked you into it. Uh, no, Northern Illinois is going to take a big step back this year. It is at Northern Illinois, but they'll be favored in that game. At least they should be, assuming they don't lose to Hawaii or Elon. Hawaii will be one of the worst football teams in America this year, even though it is the start of the Timmy Chang era. So 10.30 p.m. kickoff there uh, this this weekend, boys. But uh yeah, over. I I don't feel great about it, the, that road trip in Northern Illinois, but whatever. doesn't matter. Maybe they'll get lucky and beat Mizzou on the road. Who knows? Who cares? Vanderbilt. God, they suck. Well, I mean, it, it, I guess the good thing about being unanimous on Vanderbilt is, is if you're wrong, we're all wrong, so you don't lose any ground in our, our over-understandings. Yeah, we're all just morons. Okay, so let's talk about a team that is actually really fucking good. So the Georgia Bulldogs. Coming in with a 10.5 win total from Vegas. The defending national champs bringing back a decent amount of offensive talent. Lost a ton on defense. Eric, what are we looking like? What's Georgia going to do? They're going to win a lot of games. I'll just get this right off the the top. They're going to win more than 10.5 games. Uh, I don't know that they'll go 12-0 again, and I don't know that they'll be better. They were better on offense last year than they got credit for. Uh, They scored, they're seventh in the country in scoring. You know, they're fourth in the country in yards per play. So, you know, defensively, I think they're going to take a step back, but it's not out of the realm of possibility. They get a little bit better on offense, uh, bringing some of the go- some of those guys back. You know, defensively, they were an absolute nightmare to deal with. They were first in the country in points per game allowed, second in yards per game allowed, third in rushing yards, third in passing yards. They were a generationally good defense last year, which is why they had five guys from that defense get picked in the first round of the draft. So going back to the offense, Stetson Bennett for the first time, it's going into the season as the undisputed number one quarterback. I don't want to get dragged into a big argument with him, so I'm just going to state some facts. I'm going to leave. Game manager, check down Charlie. I'm going to leave opinion and narrative out of it. I'm just going to give you some numbers. The first fact about Stetson Bennett, the fourth, is that is the most Georgia quarterback name ever, but he completed 64.5% of his passes, threw for 2,800 yards, 
29 touchdowns, seven interceptions. Now, he was third in the country in yards per attempt uh, at 9.9. He was in a virtual tie with C.J. Stroud. He was fourth in the country in yards per completion at 15 and a half, which actually led all Power 5 quarterbacks. He was third in the country in quarterback rating at 86.7, and he was fourth in the country in passer rating at 176.4, and he was first in the country in intoxicated Good Morning America interviews conducted. Oh, yeah. 100%. So hats off to him. Uh, He'll be back. So I would expect us maybe a slight improvement on those numbers because he is going to be starting the whole year. But behind him will be Kenny McIntosh and Kendall Milton coming back. Those guys combined for about 600 yards and four touchdowns last year. Uh, You know, Georgia's, they're deep everywhere. But last year, they were particularly deep in the running back room. Speaking of a room that is insanely deep, their tight ends are absurd. Uh, We talked a lot about Brock Bowers. He's going to be probably an All-American. And this year, they're going to have Eric Gilbert, who played his freshman season in the COVID year at LSU and then transferred and sat out last season. Uh, In 2020, he caught 35 passes for 368 yards and two scores, and that was in eight games at LSU. Bring back Darnell Washington, and they have a true freshman who might see action who is very similar physically to Brock Bowers. So that's the good news for their pass catchers. The bad news is maybe their best wide receiver uh, from last season, Jermaine Burton is gone and he's playing for a team that they're going to be competing for a national title with at Alabama. So they're going to, they're going to move the ball around a lot. And I think they're going to score a similar amount. Um, they'll be in the high thirties. I think they just might do it a different way than we're used to seeing Georgia do it defensively five first rounders. We talked about, and then another two guys who, you know, Nicobe Dean and Channing Tindall both went in the, uh, you know, third or fourth round. So they, they have, Eight guys from that defense last year are in NFL training camps right now. Despite losing all of the players they lost to the NFL, you know they still, by my count, I counted ten five-star recruits on their de- on their defensive roster right now. So, <laughs> good, good God, guys, go make All-American and first-round draft pick and leave. And Kirby just kind of says, "Well, there's plenty more where that came from." So they just, you know, you stack recruiting class after recruiting class after recruiting class and. This is kind of what you get. They're they're not going to be a nine points per game defense again, but they're going to be really, really good. And they're going to be favored in, by double digits, I think, in every game they play this year. So, you know, maybe at Kentucky, um, maybe Tennessee is able to move the ball on them. I don't, but but I just, I, I cannot envision a scenario where they lose two games this year. So over. Mm. Yeah. Uh, Timmy, would you like a hammer? Yes, I would. I will hammer this over. Um, they haven't lost two regular season games under Kirby Smart yet, and there's nothing on the table that suggests that that will be the case this year. You know, they did lose big-time talent from a legendary defense from last year, but teams like Georgia don't rebuild from those teams. They reload and they get back at it. They'll win 11 games, minimum. Book it. Yeah, I'm in agreement. I said it at the end of last season. I think Georgia has arrived at that level where they will be expected to be in the championship mix every year. And I don't think they're going away. I understand that they lost five first round draft picks on defense, and that will be tough to replace that level of production. You know, 49 sacks will be hard to repeat. But my only question with Georgia, I could see them losing a game. But definitely not losing two. I'll make that clear. It isn't over for me easily. But the only question that I have about Georgia is 
I look at Georgia as the, the same way that I looked at Alabama in 2010. Alabama won a national title in 09, went undefeated. And the next season, they were, you know, number one preseason, bringing back a bunch of talent on offense, all of the above, and they lost three games. Like, you know, massive underachievement. Now, I don't see that same formula happening at Georgia. I don't see them losing three games. But I do wonder how they're going to handle the success and everybody telling them they're fucking great, you know, that kind of stuff, because they've been playing with a chip for all these years trying to get to the top of the mountain. Well, now that they got there, you know, Saban talks about this all the time. Once you're at the top of the mountain, now you have to work twice as hard to stay there. So that'll be the most interesting storyline to me is if they can maintain, you know, that level of play and see if they do truly reload or if they take a step back and slip up against somebody like Tennessee. Ultimately, it's an over for me. Don't we have a mailbag for the Georgia team oh, here? We do, don't we? That's a good call. Let me uh let me pull that up here. Okay, so good call. Uh <laughs> good God. I didn't even read this until now. What an asshole. All right, so Trey in Norcross, Georgia, writes, Hey guys, love the pod. Lifelong Bulldogs fan here. And by the way, Jason, Alabama can eat shit. <laughs> yeah, I love this guy. Yeah. Okay. I like the cut of this guy's jib. All right. Thanks, dickhead. Anyway, he says, I have a question for Eric about UGA. God, this guy's all over Eric's nuts. Can we really expect UGA to repeat the same success with all the defensive talent gone? Everyone seems to be just saying we will go 12-0, and 0, and I hope they are right. But for me, I think we lose a game or two. And honestly, as much as I hate to say it, F you, Jason, but I don't think we can beat Alabama this year. Tell me I'm wrong and the dogs can win another title. Well, I would love to, but I think despite what I just said about all the talent they still have stockpiled, you know, the reality is those guys don't have the experience that a Nicobe Dean or a Jordan Davis or a Devontae Wyatt have. And they've played some, but they haven't. You know, there are going to be some guys who haven't played much, right? Or have only kind of, you know, mopped up garbage time type stuff. And they're going to be expected to contribute. Now, I still think they'll be good. If I had to pick right now, I don't think they'll beat Alabama. I'm yeah. kind of on the fence between 11 and 1 and 12 and 0, but I definitely think they win the East. And I definitely think they play Alabama in the SEC championship game, but I wouldn't feel great about it um, until yeah. I actually see the product on the field and how these guys play as a unit. If you're if you're talking about national championship contention hopes too, I mean, they're going to be very very good, and they're probably going to be in the playoffs. But I don't know, you know, how a matchup against Ohio State might go. You know, they could give them every bit of everything they could handle with some of the transition on defense and what Ohio State's bringing back on offense. So they're going to be very good, but I don't know if they'll be able to repeat. Well, there you go, Trey from Norcross, and you can suck it. By the way. Keep up the good work, Trey. Ah, oh, geez. Well, all right. So now that we're done with that. Close the book on the previews, man. It's done. Well, we have one preview left. Oh, shit. We haven't discussed this team all off season, but we know what day it is. Mike, 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 Mike. What day is it, Mike? <laughs> Eric, tell me what the fighting camels are going to do this season. What's it looking like in Bowie's Creek? National championship or bust, right? It's it's looking good. <laughs> it is. It's, they're bringing back eight starters on offense, six starters on defense. Uh, their quarterback, Haj Malik Williams, is a really dynamic kind of a dual threat guy. He was injured for a lot of last year. 
I think he's going to have a good season. Defense, I, like I said, to bring back six starters. Uh, Brevin Allen is a FCS preseason All-American. He had nine and a half sacks and 17 and a half tackles for loss last season. He's going to wreak some havoc in the Big Damn. South. Their secondary is a little bit questionable as far as depth and experience. But overall, I expect to be able to report on seven or eight fighting camel wins this fall, uh, assuming they improve a little bit on defense from last year and special teams. Special teams was a problem, especially in the kicking game. They got a grad transfer from Mercer, so hoping for some improvement there. But I think Mike Mike Minter has them on the right track. And I have not looked in about the last week, week and a half, just for kicks to see what their 2023 recruiting class looked like. But I expect it will be very good uh, in terms of the S- FCS. Mm. Well, I would like to just point out that they out recruited Arizona State this past season, finished with a higher recruiting class than them. So I agree. I think they uh, take a big step forward this year. Timmy, you got a take on the the Fighting Camels? Yeah, I got a take. Hey, Mac Brown, why are you so scared to put them on your schedule? What's going on with that? I'm afraid Mike Minter's going to mop the floor with your weak ass? It's Quit coming. Weak. Quit being weak, Mac. Put them on your schedule. 2023 South End Zone Road Trip. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> oh, yeah. Let's make it happen. All right. So before we close out the show, we're going to do a couple of things here. First thing we're going to do, we're going to do bold predictions. All right. So we, we're done with the previews. All the previews are in the book. So bold predictions. Timmy, I'm going to hit you first. Give me your bold prediction. For the love of God, it better be better than your Iowa State one last year. <laughs> All right. I, I'm going to I'm gonna throw a bold prediction out there, and it's not going to have an answer on the back end of it, but my bold prediction is that CJ Stroud, neither CJ Stroud nor Bryce Young are going to win the Heisman this year. Book it. Oh, yeah. I mean, Young, I don't think, I don't expect him to win it given he already won it and the expectations would be even higher. But Stroud not winning it, I don't know. If Ohio State goes undefeated, I think he wins it. But uh, yeah. That's a possibility. Uh, Eric, what about you for bold predictions? You going to stick with your Ohio State goes 15-0 and 0 for your bold prediction, or you got something else? Uh, I am, but I will I will throw out another bold-ish prediction. I was going to save this for the regular season, but I'll just go ahead and get out of the way now. App State over North Carolina in week two. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I don't know that that's a terrible thing. I don't know that App State shouldn't be favored over them. <laughs> like, I, mean, I know Drake may have won the job, but their defense is – kind of questionable so <sighs> i don't know uh bold prediction for me it's it's a two-part thing I, I think we see a repeat in the sec championship i think alabama and georgia both go undefeated i think it's 12 and 0 alabama versus 12 and 0 georgia i think alabama schedule is a little tougher but i like them both to go undefeated so i think you'll see one versus two and even bolder prediction utah makes the playoff this year book it that is bold. So, last thing before we go, week zero bets. Does anybody have any notable week zero bets? Eric, you got one? Uh, if I was going to lay money on one game, I would take the fighting Belimas minus 10 versus Wyoming. I do like that. Wyoming, I think, takes a big step back this year from where they were a year ago. So, I agree with that. Give me Bielma in week one. Timmy. I got two that I, that I like here, man. 
I just got done talking about Vandy and how they're going to win three games against the likes of Hawaii, Elon, and NIU. And I can't go back on it now, so I like them minus seven and a half against Hawaii. Um, so I'm hammering that. And then in true South End Zone podcast fashion, I have to fade Scott Frost. I like <laughs> Northwestern plus 13 and a half over oh, there. And where the fuck is it? Dublin, Ireland Dublin. or some shit? Yep, Dublin, yeah. Ireland. Yes. And boys, you know, neutral site game across the fucking pond. Northwestern is going to give them everything they can handle. They may not win, but they'll keep it closer than 13 and a half. You can book that. Mm, damn. I like it. Fade and Scott Frost in week with zero. Love God, Timmy's in midseason four. It'll be a trend. <laughs> I like it. Well, for my week zero bet, the only one I'm going to lay, I'm going to lay a little bit of skin on New Mexico State at home plus nine against Nevada. I don't think Nevada is very good. This line has screamed the fuck down. It opened at minus 14 and a half for Nevada. It is all the way down to nine at the moment. And I still feel good about that. I think Nevada will be one of the worst teams, you know, in the group of five this year. They're fucking terrible. New Mexico State isn't any good either, but it's at home. So give me New Mexico State plus nine at home like that. <sighs> All right. So, anything else before we close out this bad boy? Nope. Let's just get ready to watch some football, man. Just looking forward to some picks next week. Some actual football. No more previews. I know. Something we don't even have to think about. The content's already pre made for us. It's fucking fantastic. So, <sighs> with that being said, all right, well, we're going to go and we will be back with you next week for the week zero recap. A little bit of a recap, but mostly our week one preview. It's a loaded slate, so there will be a lot of discussion there, a lot of picks being made, a lot of things being thrown around. Super excited about that. But uh, until then, we would like to thank our corporate sponsors, DraftKings Sportsbook, and our other sponsors as well. And uh, we'll see you in week one. Later. Thank you very much. Have a great day. <laughs>